Good morning. What a wonderful day it is. Thank you so much for coming to the house of the Lord on Memorial Day weekend. And uh, having pastor for 43 years, I guess to some extent, I, I almost expected the attendance to be down. Next has contradicted that this morning, and God bless you for that. Uh, my name is Stan, and uh, I am a guest speaker uh, on a number of occasions, and very good friend with Pastor Joe, which I value and appreciate very, very much. Uh, those of you who are watching online, we welcome you to the service this morning. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we are happy to have you, and uh, each one of you here as well. I love this ministry, and uh, when I'm not doing something else on weekends, like speaking somewhere or attending the church that my son-in-law and, and daughter pastor in Bechtelsville, uh, I come here, and uh, I learn, and I grow here. And uh, that's true of each and every one of you, I'm sure, as you, you are taught the Word of God skillfully, uh, thankful for leadership that God is blessed with the gift of teaching and preaching, of course. Uh, I find Pastor Joe's ministry uh, a teaching ministry, but also inspired by his ministry as well. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, since April, you have been studying First Thessalonians <clears throat> in a series that is entitled Hope and Holiness in a Hostile World. And uh, I, find that, I find that title very encouraging because the hostility that is around us, we are aware of uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, sometimes on a momentary basis. And uh, important for me to realize and every one of us to realize that that's not something new. There has always been hostility to the message of Jesus Christ. And we're going to hear about that and look at that this morning in First Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, beginning with verse number 13, uh, in this passage, 13 through 16, there is an emphasis on the Word of God, not the ideas or opinions of man, but the Word of God. And uh, as I was thinking about that this morning, uh, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor and uh, founded a church in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and was there for 23 and a half years, and then moved into a leadership position and uh, in our years of ministry, and in my earlier years before ministry as pastor, uh, thinking about the Word of God and those who have love for the Word of God, my, my grandfather Price came to my mind. Pop was what I called him. And uh, they lived about a block away from us. And uh, most of the time when I would go to their home, and I went there often, uh, Pop's Bible would be out on the table and he would either be sitting there reading it or sitting in a chair reading it. And uh, that's impressive, but what's more impressive is the impact that his commitment to and his love for the Word of God had on him as an individual. And then in the first congregation we found, and I could tell you many, many individuals, but I'm thinking of this one in particular, we went to Tuncanic, Pennsylvania when we were 23 years old to be the pastor of that small congregation. And there was a widow woman in that congregation whose name was Anna Finney. Anna Finney lived up on a hill in a really small cabin type of a house. And uh, I visited her often. She was probably in her late 70s, maybe early 80s at the time. 
And always there in Anna's home was her Bible out on the kitchen table. And usually when I had a conversation with Anna Finney, uh, it would get to that. She would talk to me about the Scriptures. And that's impressive, but again, what's even more impressive is the impact that the Word of God, God had upon her as an individual. She had nothing materially, well, she had enough material, I should say. But uh, what she had, she was a very generous person. She was a giving person. And uh, she impacted my life and my wife's life when we were young. And uh, to the point that I still think about Anna Finney, and when I was 23, when I went there, 27 when we left, I'm now 76, so it's a while ago. Uh, it's a while ago. And, uh, but I'll never forget her example. And her example inspires me to uh, nurture a love for God's Word, for the Scriptures, and uh, that has not diminished in my life. I have a greater desire to know more and more from the Word of God now than I have in the past. And I've felt that desire was always rather significant. And uh, let's begin reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse number 13. Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica. This is why we constantly thank God. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe, not only at the time of your salvation, but continually works in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews. The Jews were not happy with Christianity in those days. They saw it as heretical and perhaps as a cult. And so they responded, uh, not surprisingly, uh, Verse 15 says, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. And of course, we've learned from Scripture that in doing that, they actually carried out the plan of God. But of course, their anger and their disgust with what was happening was obvious. They displeased God and are hostile to everyone. Listen to verse 15, verse 16. By keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles, so they may be saved. And that portion of verse 16 sort of jumped off the page at me. I've, I've read this passage of Scripture before, perhaps numerous times, obviously numerous times. They displease God and are hostile to heaven by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they are constantly filling up their sins to the limit and wrath has overtaken them at last. And that is, that is the... Uh, uh, the tragic outcome of those who choose to oppose what God is doing, to oppose the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, what an important passage of Scripture for us to read and to understand. And my prayer is that as we go through this this morning, that our concern and our love for God's Word will increase, that it will be greater than ever before. In fact, that we will sense a, a, an excitement about it you know, understand, and some people will say, and I've even heard followers say this, it's hard for me to understand the Bible. And, uh, and that may keep us from that, but 
that really is not a valid excuse because we have the most skillful and wonderful teacher that anybody could ever have in revealing the secrets of God. And we'll talk about that as we move forward on this. My first point is this, God is at work in believers. And uh, how grateful we are for that. God is at work in believers. And uh, in reading that this week, I found myself asking, Stan, how is God presently at work in your life? And that may be a question that you need to ask yourself. How is God at work in your life? And, uh, and it's helpful for you to identify that. It, it's identifiable. We can, we can see and understand how God is at work in us. And that's important because we want to cooperate with that. We have our part in that. We want to cooperate. God, what are you doing? I want to cooperate with you in the work that you're wanting to accomplish in my life. And, uh, and I'm excited to say that still goes on in me, even though I came to the Lord when I was five years old, and I'm now old, and uh, looking to get older, uh, that I still believe, and, and I, I mean this as I say this, that there is a lot that God wants to accomplish in me. That there is a lot for me to learn uh, that I have not yet learned. It's important for me to believe that because that's a part of my commitment to spending time with God, to spending time with His Word. So loving God's Word is a goal for this service this morning. May it be true of every one of us as we leave this service this morning that we can say, you know, my, my love for God's Word, I believe, has been enhanced and, and not just for the moment, but on a long-term basis, a permanent basis, my love for God's Word has been enhanced, and, uh, and my love for spending time with Him has been enhanced as well. God is at work in believers. That is why we constantly thank God, Paul says, because when you received the Word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the Word of God. How important to, uh, to believe that and to understand it and to put that much validity on the Scriptures that we are so fortunate to have in our hands. There are those that don't have a copy of the Bible. Years ago, back in the early 90s, I was privileged to be on a trip to what had been the Soviet Union, and we were in St. Petersburg, Russia, and then in Moscow, Russia, uh, Lumonosov up near the Baltic. And one night we were distributing copies of the Bible and the enthusiasm of those folks in getting their own copy of the Word of God impacted me then and continues to impact me to this day. One woman embraced the Bible and just held it like this and wept. And I thought, ah, Lord, help me, to, help me to feel that way as well. I have probably two dozen copies of the Bible in my home, my library. And so I may take it for granted. Easily we do that. I was looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, and this adds to the impact of the message, and it simply says this, in spite of severe persecution, in spite of severe persecution, uh, the extent of the persecution that I have received up to this point as a believer is there have been some who didn't want to be my friend, some who didn't want to hear what I had to say, some who may have thought I was a little crazy in some ways because I put my faith in Jesus Christ, but in the beginning of this book, he says, in spite of severe persecution, you welcome the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. In spite of the persecution that they experienced, they welcome the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. And that is, a, that is an impact 
that each and every one of us need to respond to. Now, I'm going to set my Bible down, if you don't mind. And uh, it's okay for me to set it. The reason being is it's casting a shadow over my notes. And uh, I don't need that. I have enough problems. See, without shadows being involved in the situation... Paul is thankful about this congregation in Thessalonica because of their response to the Word of God. And, and that is something that ought to be in the forefront. You know, when you, when you talk about next community church or someone asks you, what's it like there? Uh, you might say to them, we respond to the Word of God. We, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. That, that's probably one of the greatest compliments that you can pay to any, any ministry that you may be involved in. And Paul constantly thanks God for them. He doesn't thank them. He thanks God for them. Without God, they would have never believed. And, and I find a lot to be grateful for in that, nor would they ever understand the secrets of God. John chapter 6, verse 44 says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. In other words, with that comes this hope that we have that in the final analysis, we will be with him forever and forever. That is the promise and the hope of eternal life. And, uh, and, and that teaching is, is a part of uh, irresistible grace and prevenient grace in a different way. And I'm not here to explain that. And you probably don't want to know that anyway. But I just want you to know that I know about that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not as dumb as I look. Uh, Understanding that God drew me, he drew me. Uh, understanding that my heart overflows with gratitude to God, because I guess I feel like, why would you draw me? Uh, why me? But he did, definitely did, and, and I don't doubt that. He did draw me, convincing me that the word share was not the ideas of man, but the word of God. And I did respond at the age of five. Now, I did a lot of growing since then, obviously, you say, what could you have understood? Well, I did understand this. And the reason I understood was because God was drawing me. The, the Spirit of God was making it clear to me, even at that age as a young child, which really speaks to how this teacher, you know, responds to us. He knows how to respond to a five-year-old. He really does. And he convinced me, and I have remained convinced, he continues to draw me. I love spending time in his presence. And I, I, if you see me looking at the clock, you might breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> Thank God he's looking at the clock, and he knows that time is a factor. Not just another book. The Bible is not just another book. There are those that say that, and there are those that think it's not as great as some other books may be. And that's unfortunate because I grew up in a time when I was five years old, the vast majority of people that I would meet believed that the Bible was the Word of God, even though they didn't respond to it. And that's not true anymore. I read a statistic recently, maybe one in four actually believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And even among evangelicals, there are those that don't believe that the Word of the Bible is inspired and inerrant. But the Scriptures teach us otherwise. May we never lose that. May we never compromise that. 
When you put the Bible in the category of just another book, it loses its impact upon your life. If we can't say, now this is the truth, and, and I'm going to respond to that because it is the truth, even though many don't believe that. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, very, very familiar. All Scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for rebuking. Anybody ever need rebuked? And I have. Correcting. I need correction in my life. For training in righteousness. This is, this is what it means to live right. Training in righteousness so that the man of God may, complete, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now that we have a role in that, in the second chapter of Timothy, Second Timothy tells us this in verse 15, be diligent to present yourself to God as one who is approved. Now, I'm not, that's not saying to us, if you show God that you're good enough, he'll respond to you. That's not true. You know, we're saved by grace, and, and we don't impress God by trying to be good enough and comparing ourselves to others. That's not what he's saying. But diligent in our response to God, in a response to our teacher, to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and notice how he narrows that qualification down, correctly teaching the word of truth. That's of a ultimate value. As followers of Christ, we need to understand. We need to know what we're talking about. Now, that's, that's true of pastoral leadership, but it's true of every follower of Jesus Christ. You're learning, you're growing, you're applying that truth. And be careful when you share the truth that you know what you're talking about. It's not just a matter of feeling. And be diligent in that. That's important. And, uh, and we have this wonderful teacher who is always with us. You've heard me say in the past that, that my prayer room travels with me. Well, my teacher travels with me. Wherever I am, he's there. Now, this is a classroom situation, and certainly the Holy Spirit is here teaching us in spite of the frailty of the instructor, the Holy Spirit is here teaching us. And Jesus in John 14 said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with him, to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do, you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God the Holy Spirit enters into you, not partially, but all of the Holy Spirit enters into you. I'm not saying that everything that He wants to do in your life is accomplished at that moment. That's obviously not true. But all of the Holy Spirit enters into you. How can you have a little bit of the Holy Spirit in you? He's not compartmentalized. All of the Holy Spirit comes into you. And then in John chapter 14, verse 26, the Lord clarifies and expands on that. He says, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, teach you all, and remind you of everything I have told you. Now, all of us have had a number of teachers in our lives. Uh, when I was in grade school and in junior high school in those days, they called it, in high school, I was not a very attentive student. And I don't say that with any pride. I had ADD. And someone told me not long ago, I still have ADD. It wasn't my wife. 
I said, I know, I enjoy it, just leave it alone, it's all right. I'm not interested in a cure. I've been dealing with it all these years, I like ADD. And they said, what about ADHD? I said, I like that also. It's a, and I know it can be a problem, it's, it's been a problem at times. It's been a, a problem at times. But the, the teacher that I participate with daily in my life, the Holy Spirit, he knows Stan. He knows how I learn. He knows how difficult it is for me to pay attention at times. I have found that he's very patient and long-suffering with me. And I find it incredibly easy to learn from him. I really do. You say he communicates with you? Yes, he does. Now, I've never heard an audible voice. Primarily the way that he communicates. If you were to say to me, Stan, what's God saying to you today? I would, I would quote the scripture to you. I'd say, this is what God spoke to my heart today. But he has also directed and, and given me clear direction at times. Again, I can see I've never heard a audible voice. What I have discovered is his direction is not in a riddle form. He doesn't give me direction, say, now figure it out. His direction is very clear. And, uh, and he reminds me of everything that I have learned from him. Because sometimes in our flesh, we forget but he reminds us of that. Aren't, isn't that wonderful? This is the kind of teacher that we have who's there when we open the Word of God. In, in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. One translation said the secrets of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit within him? In the same way, way no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. How exciting is that, that when we take time before God and we sit down with the Word, that the Holy Spirit is there teaching us. And there are times we just simply need to say, Holy Spirit, enlighten me on this. Help me to understand this. It's His will to do that. And if we ask anything according to the will of God, we will receive it. We don't have to beg the Holy Spirit to teach us. He's, he's very eager to do that. And He will do that. When you sit here on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights, by, not, by the way, Saturday night, I was here Saturday night, it reminds me a little bit of a Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, it's excellent. Jeff does a great job with worship. And uh, there's a, obviously there's a small group of people that come. If you're ever looking for an alternative, you're not going to be here on Sunday. You might say, well, I'm going to go Saturday night, 5.30 to 6.30. You, know, you might spend that much time and more watching the news. So it's not much time. It's just a brief interlude in Saturday night. You may consider doing that. What was I talking about? <laughs> rabbit trails. Talking about rabbit trails. Opposition is intended to silence us. And has done that at times. <clears throat> Excuse me, very well. Well... I need to be careful. And, uh, and you do need to be careful. You know, you do need to be careful. When you're dealing with people, you know, I heard about a pastor's wife when I was yet in my teens who confronted a neighbor of ours in the Harrisburg area who was a person of influence. And uh, this pastor's wife put her finger in his face and said, are you born again? If you're not born again, you're going to hell. 
he felt prompted to send her there real quick. He was offended. Do we understand that? You know, that wisdom is a vital part of our interaction with people. And I think one of the best ways to respond in those circumstances, how did Jesus handle situations like this? One thing that's clear to me is every time Jesus walked away from people that he was ministering to, they understood that he cared about them, that he loved them. Didn't he tell them the truth? Sure, he, he, sure he told the truth. But he did it with mercy and compassion. And uh, he didn't suffer because of his offensive way of ministry. Not why he suffered. 1 Thessalonians 2.14 says, For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews. In verse 16, I mentioned earlier, by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles, so they may be saved. We're not alone in persecution. In fact, we don't understand the serious life-ending persecution that so many of our brothers and sisters are experiencing right now at this moment. Never felt my life in jeopardy because I was a follower of Christ. He said, do you think that will ever happen? Possibly. Seems to be moving in that direction in some ways. We're not alone in persecution. Trials are not the exception, are not unusual for followers of Christ. There are those that would say, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, everything is just going to be hunky-dory. And you're going to have all the money you could possibly need. You might want to tell that to a follower of Christ who's living on the streets of Calcutta, India, or some other places who have been deprived seriously. They could tell us something about the grace of God and the encouragement they receive in those circumstances. James uh, Chapter 2, or 1, I'm sorry. Verses 1 through 4. Consider great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance must really be important if even trials are permitted in our lives to establish that. Endurance this is not a one-time experience. It's not a catharsis at an altar, although that may be very important. It is a lifetime process. Endurance is incredibly important, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete <clears throat> and lacking nothing. Harkens back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Don't be surprised when the fiery, dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed 
because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Verse 15, really very important as well. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. Well, no. And I don't think there are probably no murderers in here. If there, if there is, I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself. I don't want to upset you. Yeah, really, that wouldn't be good. That no one, none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a meddler. Could be some meddlers in here this morning. You ever meddle? Yeah, I have too. And have been rebuked in the process of it. You know, I... I'm of the opinion that when a person approaches someone else as a meddler, their motivation is usually criticism. They're going to be criticism. They're going to critical. And again, when you look back at the example of Jesus Christ, he was not a meddler. It's good for us to know that and understand that. I've discovered in my walk, not just now, but for a long, long time, that for me, if I'm going to influence somebody, there's a part of that I have to earn the right to be heard. And the best way I know to do that is to demonstrate to them that I truly care about them. I care about them and will continue to care about them if they never come to Christ. Because maybe they will at some point. I don't know. After all, it is the Spirit that draws them, not stand, but the Spirit that draws them. Having endured trials, a byproduct of that is now we can encourage others. And that's a very important part of how we live. We want to be an encourager. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, it's important to be able to somebody, to say to anybody, I understand. How do you understand? I shared here one time how our second child only lived two days and then went to heaven. And I don't look back on that with regrets. It was a very sad time for us. But there's been many times we had an opportunity to minister to individuals who have experienced the same thing. And I have been able to say to them, I know how you feel. And they have responded, well, how do you know? Because I had the same experience. And this is how God responded to me. This is very practical. These are not wasted experiences. They are, these are experiences we use to reach out to others. Summing it up, value the Bible above any other book. Spend time with it. Spend time with it. Come to know the teacher author intimately. Come to know, he's a personality. He's not just a power or an influence. God the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a personality. Come to know him intimately. Thank him for living inside of you. Ask him what he's doing in there. It's the same thing as asking what God up to in my life right now. Rejoice in trials. Embrace patient endurance. Endurance is very important. Comfort others with the comfort you have received. The worship team will come back.
Father, thank you for your word. It teaches us, instructs us in righteousness. Apply your word to our hearts this morning. And may we find great comfort and joy in conforming to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.